Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. At this point in time, if everybody stand and we're going to release the children. Uh, and parents are going, thank God. Anyway, we have a great ministry for them. So the, the children's leaders will be at the back door. You don't have to walk them. Just release them and uh, we'll capture them. So it's going to be a good time. Children, thank you. Give them a hand. Love our kiddos. And uh, so now if you would, hold your Bibles up high. You're a little slow this morning. We're going to have to pump some oxygen in here. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. And I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are... So thrilled that you've chosen to come and be a part of uh, our resurrection service. Uh, I don't know how many of you remember when you were lost. Probably most of y'all just saints. It's the 11 o'clock crowd that gets cray cray. <laughs> y'all are good people. man. <clears throat> and so anyway, the Bible says if the same spirit that, that, that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, it'll quicken, he will quicken our mortal bodies. And that's what this is all about. You know, a lot of people look and, and say it's, it's a, a, a Sunday and they're religious. And, and uh, we're not a religious church at all. And, and I know that that may uh, make some of you a little uh, skeptical. But the reality is religion is man's effort to get God's attention. Christianity is God is working to get our attention. And that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. There's not anything about our works that can get us to heaven. And I'm so thankful for that. And so... Uh, today, we want you to feel comfortable, relaxed, and all kinds of different people. That's the reason we named this church Mosaic, is a bunch of broken pieces of humanity coming together to make a beautiful picture of God's creation. That's what we're about. And our motto is love, grace, and mercy. Love never fails. And uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. And where sin abounds, grace does more abound. So in this house, it's a safe place for you to know that we're all on a journey to grow. And that we want you to feel that. You know, oftentimes people don't attend church because they don't feel like they're good enough. Well, none of us are good enough. But we thank God that he's great enough to take care of that. And so we welcome you and welcome all of you watching online. We're going to the scripture now in Luke chapter 24. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Notice this, ladies, if you ever feel put down... Some of the greatest evangelists in the Bible were women. I gave you all a real opportunity and you didn't jump on it. You got to understand that, there, that when we look at the Bible, the woman at the well, she went and told the whole city, come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. And she was excited about that and she was a mess. But she realized when she met Jesus, she no longer was a mess. And when you meet Jesus... You're never going to, well, you'll mess up. 
Thank you. That was a good amen. Some of y'all don't want to admit that. Thank you very little. <laughs> they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, they found Muhammad. They found Buddha. They couldn't find Jesus. He rose from the dead, went to hell, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, led those who were captive. And uh, I'm telling you, he's still doing that today. I was thinking back uh, when I was younger and not serving God and sat in here and listened to the rehearsal. And I sat back there and I thought, you know, there was a day I couldn't celebrate because I didn't know him. I was a mess. was jacked up in every possible way. But the tomb is empty so that we can live a full life. And so God wants to fill your life today. And so they went and they found it empty. And can you imagine the concern? It says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raised again. Then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women. See, women, don't feel bad when your husband doesn't believe you. It all began right here, and they didn't let it bother them. You know, I mean, come on, they're going, this guy was dead. And yet they had hung around with him. They knew what he said he would do. And now all of a sudden they're shocked. But the ladies were right because their words seemed like nonsense to them. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, Peter had had numerous experiences with Jesus, and they weren't all good. You may remember Peter had a little bit of a temper. When they tried to take Jesus, or they were going to take him, Peter cut off the ear of one of the soldiers going to take him. Some of y'all have to realize the disciples were not graduates of Yale or Harvard. They were not the best of the best, which some of you who have been really good from the womb, this may not make you feel good, but those of us who weren't, I am so thankful for the apostle Peter. He was such a goof up. And yet we know that he's in heaven and, and we have that same hope. It's not about you being perfect every day and making all the right decisions all the time and Sometimes we just look and say, it's impossible for me to serve God. When I first got born again, I got saved, but I didn't get sanctified. I'm still in the process. <laughs> and uh, the beauty of what we celebrate today is that truth that God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In other words, in your worst moment, on your worst day, in your darkest hour, after your stupidest decision, God's right there. In fact, I am of the opinion that when you get in those places, rather than even distancing himself, God comes up and gives you a holy hug and says, I want you to know something. I'm going to squeeze you a little tighter. You're going to feel me like you've never felt me. That's God. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants us. Now, we go back and you say, well, the significance is prophesied. There's so many prophecies in the Old Testament. And 
And uh, so going back to Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so the Lord was giving them, if you will, a little bit of a sign saying, this is what's going to happen. You know, that's always been debatable. There are people in the world that pick, try to pick the Bible apart and they find things that they think could not possibly be real. I mean, how could one man spend three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. We look at it and we go, well, you know, that's pretty cool. But there was a little girl who was talking to her teacher about whales, and the teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though they're a very large mammal, their throat was very small. The little girl stated Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher reiterated a whale could not swallow a human. It's impossible. The little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The teacher said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? She said, then I'll let you ask him. Oh, the wisdom of children. So there are just three little simple thoughts I'm going to give you today as we journey in our life to live a resurrected life. And oftentimes, we don't know the timing of God. As a matter of fact, people have historically asked, when will he return? And the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. And so sometimes we begin to rush things. We try to make things happen. And we push things through. And I wish I knew at 30 what I know now that I'm older. You know, always trying to force God's hand, you know, trying to make things happen and I remember trying to push things along, and, and oftentimes I just, I was, I'm a triple-A personality type, and, and uh, over time I've learned that all that does for me is causes high blood pressure, especially when you get over 40, 50, 60, stop, stop. I was doing the math with Pastor Jesse and me the other day. I thought, you all have no idea how many years you have of experience standing up on this stage. <laughs> I mean, Jesse's 90. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> timing, there's that old saying, timing is everything. And, and God has a time for everything. In fact, in Galatians, it said, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. It took 33 years for Jesus on earth. And one of the reasons is in Jewish tradition and Jewish history, a man could not enter ministry until he was 30 years old. So people say, what was Jesus doing? He was waiting on the right time. He honored his ancestry, honored everything about Jew, Judaism. He honored it and waited 30 years. Now, can you imagine 30 years waiting, knowing that at the end of three years, you're going to be crucified. That's a long wait. I remember I had, I have two brothers, one's older than me and one's younger than me. And the beauty of being the middle child is we all go to heaven. 
because we had to put up with the stupidity of an older sibling and the kindness of a younger sibling who was smart enough to not be stupid like the older brother. And I was caught somewhere in between there. And I remember when we were kids, this is back when there were no car seats. And, you know, we were sitting in the back seat behind my mom and dad. And, and uh, we didn't have seat belts on. Shoot, we'd be hanging out the window, riding in the back of pickup trucks. We survived. This next generation is filled with sissies. You drink out of uh, bottled water, purity. We were drinking out of hoses and swimming in creeks. And I made it. That's why I don't get sick. I'm immune to everything. I ate grass. Didn't smoke it. Ate it. Well, that's not true either. But anyway, so. <laughs> Love, grace, and mercy here. <laughs> and so my two brothers would be getting into it. I had nothing to do with it. I was angelic. And, and we sat in the order of how we were raised. So my older brother had a window. I'm in the middle because that's what the middle child got stuck with, like in the middle of an airplane seat. And so my little brother's on the other side, and there would be a fight. And, and I would hear these words. My dad would say, wait until we get home. And I thought, oh, God. And I was just hoping we were five minutes away so I'd get the belt and get it over with. And I know some of you going, you got a belt? Yeah, that's why this generation is a little different. We got spanked. I'll get letters over this one. But I remember that wait. It seemed like an eternity that I was going to, I knew, because I knew my dad was good on his promise when we get home. I, but then I, being the middle child, I pleaded with him like an attorney. But dad, let me tell you what's really happening back here. Don is messing with Randy. I just happened to be caught in the middle of it. And yeah, I hit both of them because they were coming across me. That's all I was doing. I was defending myself. See, sometimes we don't realize that, 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 that those periods of time are doing something to prepare us. And David was anointed 15 years before he took the throne. He had to be under Saul's tyrannical leadership. Can you imagine David? 15 years, he's holding, I've been anointed. Get this guy out of here. But I tell you right now, God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you because God wants it to work in your life. Some of y'all waiting for your spouse to change. 15 years is nothing. Yeah, I've got a good marriage counselor for you. Just ask Suli when you get out. A man walked up to the top of a hill to talk to God one day, and the man asked, God, what's a million years to you? And God said, a minute. Then the man asked, well, what's a million dollars to you? God said, a penny. Then the man asked God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure, in a minute. <laughs> he has a way of doing stuff like that. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I think about Israel going around Jericho, they had been 40 years in the wilderness, and all of a sudden there was one major city standing between them and their promise. You see, God may have promised you something, and you know that you've read the promises, and you've waited a long time. And all of a sudden God says, okay, because this is really bizarre to me, 
that God could have just simply collapsed Jericho. I mean, he's God. He could have done a lot of things. Instead, he said, I want you to march around seven days, seven times. I mean, these people are marching, playing horns. Can you imagine the warriors and the soldiers on top of the Jericho walls going, who are these stupid people? And they're going, I mean, after 40 years, I think they're like going crazy. They're just, okay, God, will do it again. And sometimes God will ask us to do something to prepare us, prepare us for what he's promised us. And thank God that Israel finally went, we've been through a lot of stuff. We doubted God. Many didn't make it even to Jericho because of their doubt. And finally, after all this is said and done, they finally realize we're going to do whatever God wants us to do. We're going to do whatever God says. We believe that that time, that window, 15 years, 7 years, 12 years, whatever it might be, that we're going to stay strong in God. And so you look at the woman with the issue of blood. 12 years, she tried everything, spent everything, all of her money. And she could have easily said, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up, and I'm going to die. But she had heard about a man named Jesus. And she thought, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch a piece of what he's wearing, his garment, if I can just touch it, I'll be healed. And you have to understand, this sounds like so easy, like this woman just walked up to Jesus and went boop. No, there were crowds. Matter of fact, the crowds were so massive that the Bible says they were pressing up against Jesus. But this woman just said, I've waited 12 years, and now is my time. It's my time. And nobody's going to keep me from the promise that he has promised. Bible says he went around doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. And that woman made it. And here's what I love about this. Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples were so dumb. No, I will not be struck by lightning because Jesus knew they were dumb. That's why he picked them. I stand here today going, I'm so dumb, but he picked me. You're, well, I can't tell you you're dumb. You'll get mad at me and sue me. Litigious society here. But he said, who touched me? The disciples said, come on, master. Look at everybody around you. He said, yeah, but somebody touched me with faith. He said, I felt power leaving my body. After 12 years, this frail, anemic woman. Boy, there are a lot of women in this story today. Pressed through and was healed. Never give up. Everything has a time. Everything has a season. And some of you are here today, and let me just go ahead and wish you Merry Christmas. Because that's the next time I'll see you. You see, oftentimes we get fatigued. We don't press in. And Paul said, I press. There's a lack of press in our society. And and I love the fact that we're understanding grace more than we've ever understood it. But we're abusing grace at a higher level as well. Real not realizing that I don't come to church to go to heaven. I come to church to bring heaven to me. I don't have to be here. Well, I kind of have to. I'm the preacher. Uh, You don't have to be here every Sunday. To go to heaven. Many churches and say, you know, they will make you feel like if, if you, you're not in church, there's no chance of you going to heaven. That's just not true. I wish it was true because I'd have a big crowd. Because we'd scare the hell out of everybody. 
I've oftentimes just wanted to have a Sunday where I put a note on the door, we're gone. <laughs> Some Christmas or Easter, we're gone. You'd be like, oh, I repent. And then we'd be out in the parking lot coming and praying for you. <laughs> See, to me, having a relationship with Jesus is fun. It's a great life. And the reason it's a great life is he loves me, I love him. Not because I'm perfect, but because he is love. And he cannot deny that love from any human being on earth. Now, we have to reciprocate that and say, I believe in you and I receive your love because he will not impose his love on anyone. So we have to trust him. Second thing is, in the... On this journey, not only is timing important, but understanding that tests will happen. That there will be tests in our lives. And many people, when you say the word test, they say, I'm out. But God doesn't test us for the purpose of showing us how dumb we are. He tests us to help us see what we know and how we can grow. You see, there's a difference in temptation and testing. Tempting is hoping you will fail. Testing is hoping you will rise to that level. And so when we go through tests, we have to know that God is going to be there no matter what. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever failed a test, but I've succeeded at that. My freshman year of college, I had a professor that I could not stand. I was a theology student, by the way. You know, we're supposed to be the loving degree people. But I had a professor that I could not stand. And I hope he's in heaven today and not listening to this. <laughs> professor Davis, I'll never forget him. And it was, a, it was just a class that we, it was called Humanities Discussion. Which meant we were supposed to come in and we were supposed to discuss what we had heard in lectures. Which would help us on the tests. Well, you know, I was an older student. I got saved when I, right before I was 21, had no purpose in life. And so when I got saved, I was trying to figure things out. And all of a sudden, I felt this draw to ministry. So I thought, well, I probably ought to go back to school and learn what I'm talking about. So I, I'm still a little unrenewed at this point, okay? Some of y'all go, well, you still are. That would be accurate. But what I realized was this discussion class, we, st we would come in every week and he would say, get out a piece of paper. We're going to take a quiz. This went on for several weeks. And I'm an older student. I'm having to learn how to learn. I, I, I didn't even know how to learn. I went to a school where I graduated with 54 in my class. I was in the 20% that made the upper 80% possible. And so I, I, just, I had to learn to learn. And so uh, finally, after about three weeks... Or so in, in that class, I lifted my hand. He said, yes. I said, i got to ask you a question. At the beginning of this semester, I enrolled in humanities discussion. And obviously, this is humanities quiz. I'm in the wrong class. Now, there's no professor that likes a student being a smart something. <laughs> and I successfully failed that class. Now, you say, why is it success successful? Because I learned more from failing it than I ever learned in any other class. And that was, shut up. <laughs> and so I had to learn how to learn. And there will be tests. And there are things that happen in our lives that we go, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this happen? And most of the time we're asking that question, why me, God? Why me? 
Stop asking why me and saying, God, what now? I don't need, to, I don't need you to tell me why. I need you to tell me what. What do I do with the hand that I've been dealt? There are several stories I want to talk to you about today. Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Airlines, incredible mind. Branson had dyslexia. Branson was a pretty bad student. He didn't get good marks, and he did poorly on standardized tests. Instead of giving up, he used the power of his personality to drive him to success. Today, Branson, known for developing Virgin Records and many more technology, technologically advanced spinoffs, is the fourth richest person in the United Kingdom. Here's a guy who reads, he, it's, everything's backwards to him. And he could have easily said, why me? But he said, now, what? God. And he said, well, you think he's saved? I'm going to tell you, if he's not, I want to know him. Because then I'll get him saved and he'll come to Mosaic. Anyway, so. Bethany Hamilton had her arm bitten off by a shark. Hamilton started surfing when she was a child at age 13. An almost deadly shark attack resulted in her losing her left arm. She was back on her surfboard one month later. And two years after that, she won first place in Explorer Women's Division of the NSSA National Championships. Talk about determination. You see, sometimes we quit. Somebody in church made you mad, and you haven't been back to church since. And you know what? You gave up. You let somebody make you feel like you can't endure, you can't overcome. Let me tell you something. Some of the best things of God don't come easy. As a matter of fact, the reason they don't is God wants to prepare us to be able to handle the many blessings he wants to bestow upon us. And yet we quit. Somebody made us mad. And uh, if you leave this church angry, which I give you an opportunity to do every week, <laughs> you'll go somewhere else and be mad. And that pastor, I promise you, every pastor in the world has a gift of irritating people. And you can blame, and, and if, if we don't, there'll be somebody sitting next to you that will comment about what you wore or didn't wear. I've always been the guy that said, you know what, come as you are. Just come as you are. And I told you the story a few weeks back, for those of you who haven't been in church in a while. Uh, the first church I started, I, I was on Wednesday night, and there were about, oh, 1,500 people there. And, and uh, an usher came, I was on the front row getting ready to go up after worship, and he came and he said, hey. There's a guy here that came in a robe, and it's multicolored. And he said, we just happen to know he doesn't have anything on underneath that. <laughs> and I'm standing there going, oh, God. What do we do? I said, well, tell him to tie it tight, and then I want you to sit next to him. And I'm freaking out. I'm up preaching. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm trying to build a church here. And... At the end of the message, I gave an invitation for salvation. He lifted his hand and gave his life to Jesus. When the prayer partners talked to him, to talk to him about his salvation, he said, I was laying in bed, and he said, I heard a voice, go just like you are. You see, if we were the church that said you can't come into this building like that, he may have never met Christ. It was timing, and I think it was a test for me. And many people, you know, we had a, a whole row of strippers that used to come. Some of you, this is blowing you away. I don't know why God gave me this mandate to love people that the world looks at and looks down on. But we accepted them. We started a small group. 
When one of them would die, the club they stripped at would call us and say, would you do their funeral? But many of them came out of that industry because all we did, we believed that God had a promise for their life. And we loved them to their promise. I'll never forget talking to one of them. She had a sugar daddy. Go Google it. Because this is 9 at 9.30 crowd. You also appear, what's a sugar daddy? <laughs> this was somebody paying for everything she ever needed, apartment, everything. And she came and she said, Pastor, I, I want to leave my situation. I said, well, what do you want to do? She said, I want to go back to college. I said, you know what? Why don't you just do that? Didn't tell her and quit stripping, nothing. Long story short, she quit, got a four-year degree, started living for Jesus. You see, sometimes the test takes us from where we were, and it takes a little while to get us to where we need to be. See, religious people would have looked at this woman and said, you just need to get out. Well, they don't know what that woman's been through. They don't know what she's had to battle in life. And God's called us to do one thing, and that's to love everybody. One thing, if you say, what's Christianity? Christianity is love. It's not an expectation that the people you know after going to church 20 years still act in the way. That doesn't mean they're not saved. See, we're measuring people. We're looking on the outside, but the Bible said God looks on the heart. There are a lot of people whose hearts are filled with God, but their behavior is maybe something different. You and I can't judge them. We may not like it, but we can't judge them. To me, the empty tomb gave us all an opportunity to have a full life, but it takes time. I'm still being worked on. You pull out in front of me, and I'm going to honk at you. That's my pastor. Yeah, get out of my way. You drive like you got your license at Walmart. Now, now I'm not happy about that. But I've come to realize I'm still a work in progress, and I'm still working. Susan's helped me get better because she gets on to me. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, receives favor from the Lord. If you're not married, you need to. I get favor because I married a great woman. Very good. There were a few more of you I asked to say amen on that that didn't. No, I'm just kidding. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old. Einstein didn't have the best childhood. In fact, many people thought he was just a dud. He never spoke for the first three years of his life. And throughout elementary school, many of his teachers thought he was lazy and wouldn't make anything of himself. He always received good marks, but his head was in the clouds, conjuring up abstract questions people couldn't answer. But he kept thinking and, well, he eventually developed the theory of relativity, which many of us still can't wrap our heads around. You see, maybe you were told as a, a young person, you're dumb and you'll never amount to anything. Nobody from our family ever does anything good, and you believe that. You've measured your future by your senior year in high school when you barely got out. So you see... Maybe you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer according to your grade point average. But to God, you're the apple of his eye. And he's given us the mind of Christ. So whenever you're struggling through something, don't quit. There's that window of time. The test. And now comes 
the trust. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. There are times, I don't know how I'm going to get out of some stuff. God, how am I going to do this? How are we going to do this? And honestly, God says, just trust me. Just trust me. And I've always found it interesting. I fly a lot. And sometimes I get on an airplane and I go, I don't know who the pilots are. They didn't shake my hand. I didn't interview them. I didn't ask them if they had a fight with their wife right before they got on the plane. And yet, I put a lot of trust in them. Then you go to a restaurant today, many will go, you don't even know the cook or the chef. They could have spit in your meal. That's going to be an image you're not going to forget today. Honey, we're going home and having bologna sandwiches. And now, every now and then, I think, Susan and I, every now and then, we'll order DoorDash. And I'm thinking, there's another element of trust. I don't know who that driver is, and I'm injecting cocaine into that chicken. And yet, we have a hard time trusting God, who sent his only son to die on the cross, to go to the grave, and to be raised from the dead. We have a hard time. Trust is a difficult thing. But you know, it's not optional. We have to trust. You see, a friend of mine lost his son, 17 years old, single car accident. Devastating. Has a huge church in Austin, Texas. And I got a call and said, will you come? He couldn't do the funeral, obviously. So he had three of us friends, best friends. One of the hardest things we've ever done is to look at this 17-year-old kid who was destined for greatness, good-looking kid, 6'4", 6'5", getting ready to go play basketball in college. And he and his wife were just devastated. And he came to me and he said, I heard these words from another pastor in California. Don't let what you do know surrender to what you don't know. Stay with what you do know. When I say that, I want you to hear this. This is why trust is critical. I know this. God will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. He will never allow me to be tempted beyond what I can stand. God's a good God. And we have to put our trust and faith in him. That's what he said, trust him. Sometimes, you know, we look. I know my mother prayed for me. I was the last kid in my family to get born again. And I know everybody was praying for me, and they stood for me, and prayed all the time for me. And I'm sure that my mother, who is in heaven today, had many difficult days and nights wondering if I would ever come home. But she stood. She trusted God. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. Corey Tim Boone said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You see, some 2,000 years ago, hate was buried, love was resurrected because Christ took hate upon himself on the cross. Judgment was buried, mercy was resurrected. Sin was buried. Grace was resurrected. 
He took every sin upon himself. One person wrote, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. You see, I have a tendency to love those who are a little crazy more than people who say I'm religious. That's why I named this church Mosaic. God put my life back together when I laid all of my broken pieces before him. He'll put your life back together if you'll lay all those broken pieces before him. I'm going to close with this, and it's a little risky, but I'm going to do it anyway. The coolest people I've ever met have the most colorful pasts. They've lived lives of risk, made some bad choices, learned lessons, explored, and they're not afraid of being real. Tattered tapestries, woven of similar threads, they're my kind of people, my favorite shades of crazy. If I were to interview almost everybody in here, now this is 930, there are probably some of you who right out of the womb, you just began to praise Jesus. <laughs> At 11 o'clock, I can promise you there will be a lot of people that this applies to. But when I say shades of crazy, you know, we all have those moments. And I just want you to know God loves you on this Resurrection Sunday. I'm so thankful you're here. And I would only pray that you would make church a part of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us. For allowing us to be us even when it's hurtful you know that you're the redeemer and you can take all that we've caused the pain the suffering and you can turn it around with every head bowed and every eye closed please this is a very critical moment those of you watching online it's a very critical moment maybe a life-changing moment in 1977 for me I am absolutely convinced had I not turned my life to God I would be dead today that was the course I was on July 17 1977 a day I will never forget long hair Peter Frampton hair wasted done I risk going to a church that I figured probably would run me off before I ever stepped forward. But on that day, I didn't care anymore. It was my time. It was my time. And on that day, I gave my life to Jesus, and I've been swimming and fighting ever since. So we're going to pray a prayer today, those of you watching online. And I want all of you to pray this with me, if you would, please. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Amen. If you look up. If you prayed that prayer, in just a moment, our prayer team is going to be to the left. Marshall, Connie, if you guys would go on over there. We've got a grand finale here. We're not leaving. Just give me a minute. But I want to give you an opportunity. Let's all stand. Give you an opportunity during this song. 
if you need prayer for any reason but if today you prayed that prayer and you said I want them to pray for me these are not judgmental people these are people who believe in you will pray with you and you don't want to miss what's about to happen if you're watching online text the word save to 405-500-1310 text the word save to 405-500-1310 we are thrilled for you do that right now hello this is pastor mark crow i just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online we hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.